0: you teresa guys that was wonderful been in a series on work called god and your job the last couple of weeks we've looked at how to make wise decisions at work how to get a promotion at work this week we're going to look at it from the other angle we're going to look at how to handle failure at work you know god loves to turn crucifixions into resurrections god loves to take difficult circumstances and turn them into blessings Uh, To take failures and turn them into successes, to take negatives and turn them into positives. You know how God takes a negative and turns it into a positive. He turns it into the cross. That's how. So we are excited about our successes, but uh, failure failure has a way of taking the wind out of our sails. Failure can be defeating. It's interesting in sports to see the difference between the winning and losing team at the end of the game. You know, they've both done the same thing, same amount of time, same place, same location. And you get to the end, and, you know, the losers are laying on the floor. They've got towels on their head. They're just devastated. They're just limp. The winners are jumping around, all excited. I remember one time I was watching a college basketball game, and it came down to the final buzzer, the last shot. It was a one-point game, and they, they made the shot. And uh, won by one point, and it it was just amazing. Uh, The winning team was just so excited. All their fans were jumping and yelling and blowing horns and doing all kinds of stuff. And then cameras would pan over, and the losers are just exhausted, and their fans are dejected. And then the, the decision was made by the referees that the shot didn't count. And so all of a sudden, the winners were the losers, and the losers were the winners, And so these guys that were jumping around all of a sudden collapsed on the floor and couldn't even move. And the guys who had their laying on the floor with their heads covered up with towels were all of a sudden up with the towels, whoop, 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 jumping around. Fans who'd been excited were now dejected. Fans who were dejected were now all excited. I mean, it's amazing what failure can do to us. It's dramatic physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. Oftentimes when we fail at something, we think it negates the whole thing. We get divorced and we think we never should have gotten married. We go bankrupt and we think we never should have started that business. With foreclosure, we think we never should have bought that house. We never should have lived in this town. We lose the game. We think we never should have played this game. But failure is not always a sign that we shouldn't have done something. You know, failure often has real value in our lives. God uses failure to make us effective in life, work, and ministry. You learn far more from failure than you do from success. You know, failure is a very effective form of education. If you learn to learn from failure, you'll be well-educated. If you fail to learn to learn from failure, you'll have to continue to fail. You know just because you're a believer, just because God has decided to use you in work and in ministry, that doesn't mean you're not going to fail. You will fail. You will make mistakes. You may be God's person in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing in the right way for the right reason, and still fail. And many times you'll feel like Job when he says, my days are past, my plans are shattered, and so are the desires of my heart. You ever felt like that? You know, life isn't a chain of unbroken victories. We all have failures. We all make mistakes. Today I want to look at how do you handle failure. How do you handle it at failure? How do you handle it at work? How do you handle it in any area of your life? And, and you may not need this today, but I tell you, you better take notes because <laughs> you're going to need it sometime. And chances are you probably know somebody who needs to hear this right now. And you can be the one who can speak hope into their life as a result of this. So let's look at, uh, at, at failure. First, we're going to look at the common causes of failure. Why do we fail? Number one reason is we don't plan ahead. You know the old saying, If you fail to plan, you're planning to fail. Look at these verses. A sensible man watches for problems ahead and prepares to meet them. A simpleton never looks and suffers the consequences. It's not good to have zeal without knowledge, nor to be hasty and miss the way. Get the facts at any price and hold on tightly to all the good sense. You can get all these verses. There are verses all through the Bible that talk about the importance of planning. And if you don't plan your future, somebody else will plan it for you. And you want to plan your future because that's where you're going to live the rest of your life. And so, planning is an evidence of wisdom, it develops character. And planning can prevent failure. We often fail because we don't plan ahead. Second reason we fail is we give up too soon. You know, if at first you don't succeed, welcome to the human race. You know, if at first you don't succeed, you're normal. You know, we all have failures. Successful people fail just like everybody else does. The difference is successful people don't give up. Though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again. Success is most often not built on success. Success is most often built on failure. You need to find out what doesn't work, and then you do what does. Edison tried over 200 filaments before he found that tungsten was the right filament for the light bulb. And when he got to 199, he could have said, you know, I've failed enough, I quit. But his attitude wasn't that he had failed 199 times. His attitude was that he had succeeded 199 times at finding something that didn't work. That's different. You know, if he'd given up, it'd be dark inside all our refrigerators. Yeah. Proverbs 24.10 says, if you give up when trouble comes, it shows that you are weak. We fail because we give up too soon "Eh, that's not working I'm gonna give up you know, over the years I don't know how many people I've seen come to celebrate recovery and work half the steps and then quit and say celebrate recovery doesn't work well the truth is they gave up too soon you know how many people have gone through financial peace university and started a budget and then uh, gave up and said "Oh, that doesn't work but they gave up too soon how many people come to church for a little while and then give up and say, oh, this Jesus thing, it just doesn't work. They give up too soon. Third reason we fail is we don't listen to God. We're not seeking God's guidance in the matter. Instead of finding out what God wants us to do and doing it, we're asking God to bless what we want to do. We need to stop praying, God, bless what I'm doing, and start praying, God, let me do what you're blessing You know, God is doing great things in the world today. We need to just be praying, God, let me get in on what you're blessing. Proverbs 14, 12, there's a way which seems right unto a man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. Our natural inclination, the way that seems right to a man, most often gets us in trouble. You know, you have a natural inclination, this is the way to do something, you really need to stop and ask, is this the way God wants me to do it? and listen to what God has to say. We need to stop trying to play God, and we need to start listening to God. Don't take matters into your own hands. A little prayer can keep you from a lot of failure. We need to listen to God. Fourth, we fail because we're afraid to take risks. A lot of times we fail because we fail to do something. We fail to step out and take the initiative, take the risk, do what God is calling us to do. The Bible says the fear of man is a dangerous trap. But to trust in God means safety. If you want the key to success, there it is. Trust in God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will give you success. You say, God, you know, you've called me to do this. I'm going to take a risk and do it. I'm not going to fail because I won't do it. You know, don't be afraid to go out on a limb. That's where the fruit is. If you're going to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat. If you want to see God work in your life, you need to try and do things that you can't do in your own power. Most of our lives could be explained just by simple human effort. But what if we attempted something that cannot be done in the power of the flesh? What if we attempted to do something where I am just bound to fail unless God bails me out? Fifth, we fail when we think we've arrived. The Bible says pride leads to destruction and arrogance to downfall. You know, it's integrity and humility that God honors. And one of the reasons God hates pride so much is pride makes us unteachable. If you can't learn from other people, it's because you've got too much pride. You've got an ego problem. And plans fail for lack of counsel. Plans fail because we don't listen to other people. We think we know it all. But with many advisors, they succeed. They succeed. If you can't learn from failure, a lot of your life experience is going to be wasted. If you can't learn from other people, then a lot of the resources in life are going to be wasted on you. If you think you know it all, I'm the one who needs to be telling everybody else how to do it, you're headed for failure. Because successful people are willing to learn from others. Number six common cause for failure is we set ourselves up for it. We actually set ourselves up for failure. And I know that sounds crazy, but it's true. Sometimes we intentionally plan to fail. Sometimes we speak self-fulfilling prophecy into our lives. Job three twenty-five says, "What I always feared has happened to me." You know what I was afraid of is what happened. You know, you ever seen somebody who's just kind of a chronic failure? No matter what they put their hand to, they just sort of bomb at it. Some people fail because deep inside, consciously or unconsciously, they want to fail. They want to fail. Why? Why do people set themselves up for failure? One is because of the fear of success. You know, success means added responsibility. Success means bigger problems. Success means some people are going to resent you. Success means some people are going to depend on you. And some people don't want all that, and so they sabotage their ministry or their job or their life. Because failure is easier. It's more comfortable. Some people set themselves up for failure because of their guilt. They think, I don't deserve to succeed. I'm going to try and pay for my wrongs by being a failure in life. And guilt produces a a poor self-image and they have no confidence. That's why the starting point to success is is you've got to receive God's forgiveness into your life. You've got to offer God's forgiveness to other people so that your self-esteem can grow. You know, there's a big difference between pride and ego and a healthy self-esteem. You know, low self-esteem is not healthy. Uh, God doesn't want you to think lowly of yourself. You know, God doesn't make junk. God God values you. God doesn't put you down. God lifts you up. God doesn't want you to fail as an act of contrition. God wants you to succeed uh, as an act of worship and bringing him glory. So you've got to set aside the guilt otherwise you'll fail third reason people set themselves up for failure is resentment you know I'll get even with those people who were pushing me to succeed I'll get even with those people who've wounded me or have have spoken into my life in a way that wounded me and hurt me you know kids a lot of times if they can't get love and attention if they can't get affection from their parents uh, they'll get attention just by failing they fail out, out of resentment and woundedness there's an old movie from the 60s. got kind of a 60s rebellious vibe to it. It's called The Loneliness of the Long Distance Runner. And it's the story of this high school age kid, excellent runner, <clears throat> really had a, had a great ability. He got placed in this uh, reform school and, uh, and was running and was part of the track team. And there's a real rivalry between this uh, reform school and another reform school. And the headmasters of these schools had this big... A push to have the best runner this big race and this kid was going to be the hero of the day and win it for his school but he had a tremendous amount of resentment toward his coach toward the headmaster toward the people of authority in his life and it comes the day of the race and sure enough he is out ahead of everybody he has the race won he gets to the finish line and stops and refuses to cross and lets everybody else run and he loses the race out of resentment for the people who've been in, speaking into his life. Resentment can set us up for failure. We can have a warped image of God. A lot, a lot of uh, pseudo-religious people think, well, God doesn't want me to succeed in life, and they pull Bible verses out of context that talk about how God doesn't want us to succeed. But that is not true. I and mean, What's the alternative? God wants us to fail? I and mean, That just doesn't make sense. It is not spiritual to be a failure, and it's not sinful to be a success. Success is being what God made you to be. Success is using the gifts and talents that God has given you. It's developing yourself to the fullest. Jesus reserved his most damaging criticism for people who didn't use the talents that they had been given. People who failed to develop what they had been given and chose failure over success. Christ called them wicked, lazy, unfaithful. Because God wants you to succeed. But even so... You're going to have failure in your life. So how do you respond to it? First, I'm going to look at three wrong responses to failure. A lot of times people, when they fail, they clam up. Don't take it out on yourself. When you fail, don't blame yourself. Don't become self-critical, self-destructive, self-condemning. You know, a lot of people needle themselves about the past, but the past is past. The past can't hurt you unless you let it. And so you just ask God to forgive you, you accept his forgiveness, you forgive yourself, and then you move on. You don't clam up, you don't take it out on yourself. Another wrong response is just the opposite. These are people, they don't clam up, but they blow up. You know, don't don't take it out on yourself, but don't take it out on others either. Don't blame other people, don't pass the buck, shift the blame. You know, often... uh, A guy is struggling with a failure at work and he comes home and he takes it out on other people, takes it out on people that he loves the most. And you just create a cycle of anger running through the whole family. You know, the husband comes home and yells at the wife, the wife turns around and yells at the oldest boy, the oldest boy yells at the younger daughter, the younger daughter kicks the dog, the dog bites the baby, the baby pulls the head off the barbie. (laughs) You just create this cycle of anger that runs through the family and it doesn't work third area is people give up don't withdraw into a shell some people when they fail they become cold and indifferent they think well i'm just never going to try again but every situation in life can make you either bitter or better every situation bitter or better what's the difference the difference is i i must choose whether i'm going to be better or bitter so those are the wrong responses what's the right response when you failed? well the, first of all you just need to admit it just say i blew it i mean that just releases a lot of the tension of the failure right there a man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful but if he confesses and forsakes them he gets another chance just admit it secondly you need to learn from the failure learn from it Celebrate recovery, we have a saying, God never wastes a hurt. You should never waste a failure. You know, if you waste a failure by not learning from it, you're going to have to learn the lesson all over again through another failure. And sometimes we have to fail 5, 10, 15 times in an area before God finally gets the message through to us. Look at James 1. It says, for when the way is rough, when you experience failure, your patience has a chance to grow. So let it grow. And don't try to squirm out of your problems. For when your patience is finally in full bloom, then you will be ready for anything. Strong in character, full and complete. Circle that phrase. Strong in character, full and complete. That's what can happen when you respond the right way to failure. You know, we learn things from failure that we don't learn from success. We learn things from failure we don't learn any other way. You know, failure makes you creative, when you try and do it what you think is the right way and it fails, now you've got to do it some other way. Now you've got to try something new, something different. You've, if it pushes you to be creative. Failure can cause us to stop and reevaluate our life. You know, it's a great time to ask, am I on the right track? Am I doing it the right way? You may be on the right track, but if you're just sitting there, you'll get run over. So failure can cause you to reevaluate and say, is this how I need to be behaving? Failure causes us to listen to God. Failure opens our eyes and our ears to God uh, more than success. God whispers to us in our comfort. God shouts to us through our pain. Third, we need to realize that God can take your greatest failure and turn it into your greatest strength. We see that all through the Bible. God loves to take somebody's greatest failure and turn it into their greatest strength. See it in the life of Moses. You know, Moses is one of only two people in the Bible who was ever called meek. Jesus was the other one. And meek means uh, strength under control. Yet you read through Moses' life and and you just see this man whose strength is out of control. I mean, what was his greatest hang-up? It was his anger. It was his temper. You know, Moses got angry and murdered an Egyptian and had to flee the country. Moses got angry and broke the Ten Commandments. Not the commandments themselves. He actually broke the tablets that the commandments were written on. Moses got angry and he struck a rock with his staff when God wanted him to speak to the rock so that a miracle could happen. It was Moses' anger that kept him out of the Promised Land. you realize Moses led the nation of Israel right up to the border of the Promised Land, but he couldn't go in himself because of his anger. His anger was often out of control. Yet the Bible says that that besides Jesus, Moses is the one who was called meek. Why? Because God took his greatest weakness and turned it into his greatest strength. Abraham, Abraham's known for his faith. He's the father of faith. And yet Abraham had so little faith that twice he told his wife Sarah, you pretend to be my sister so that this guy here won't kill me in order to get my wife. You pretend to be my sister, and I'll place you in his harem. He puts her in danger because he's afraid that somebody's going to do something to him. But God turned Abraham's greatest weakness into his greatest strength, and Abraham became known for his faith. David, David's a man after God's own heart. You'd think David had a handle on purity, but his biggest failure was adultery and moral impurity. But God turned his greatest weakness into his greatest strength. And David taught generation after generation how to confess their sins and how to pursue purity by what he wrote in the Psalms. Peter. Peter's known as a rock of stability, but Peter wasn't always stable. You know, Peter was impetuous. Peter was Mr. Foot and Mouth. Peter's the guy who took out a sword and cut off a guy's ear. Peter's the guy who mounted transfiguration. You know, he gets all excited. Jesus, you're here. Moses is here. Elijah's here. Let's just put up tents and let's just all live here. Well, that's not know what Christ had in mind at all. Peter's the guy who said, I'll never deny you, Lord, and then went out and denied Christ three times. Peter's the guy who, who walks on water and then sinks like a rock. You know, he's Mr. Impulsive. He's anything but stable. You know, Jesus looks at Peter and says, Peter, I'm going to change your name to Rock. And the other disciples are thinking, don't call him Rock, call him Pebbles. But Jesus saw something in Peter that Peter didn't even see in himself. And his greatest weakness became his greatest strength. The Apostle John was called the beloved disciple. First John, he writes this. He says, Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. And You read that and you think, John must be this, this big, loving, mild-mannered man. Do you know that before John came to Jesus, he was one of the sons of thunder? John was an angry, he was a violent man. At one point, he asked Jesus to rain fire down on a village and kill all the people because John didn't like the way they'd been treated by them. And then John becomes the apostle of love. Gideon. Gideon's a little pipsqueak hiding in the bottom of a well. God looks down, sees him, and says, Mighty man of valor. God saw something in Gideon that Gideon didn't see in himself, and Gideon became one of the greatest warriors in the Bible. God can take your greatest failure and turn it into your greatest success. Your greatest ministry often comes out of your greatest wound, your greatest hurt. And God has you minister to people with the same hurt that you've endured. I mean, who better to help somebody through a failure than somebody else who failed in the same way but found Jesus Christ to be faithful? You need to remember that. Number four, you need to realize that failure is never final unless you allow it to be. Romans 8, 28, we know that all that happens to us, even our failure, is working for our good if we love God and are fitting into his plan. You're never a failure until you quit. Though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again. You just don't quit. We will reap a harvest of righteousness if we don't give up. Number five, proper response to failure is you just get up and start again. Second Corinthians, Paul says we're knocked down but not knocked out. And he just paints this picture of a boxer who just keeps getting knocked down and knocked down and knocked down, who just keeps getting up again and again. You know, if you're having a tough right, a tough time right now, you just need to keep moving until the bell rings. There's hope. Help is on the way. The tide goes out, but the tide always comes back in. Paul says, I don't mean to say I am perfect. I haven't learned all I should even yet, but I keep working toward that day when I will finally be all that Christ saved for me and wants me to be. And then look how passionate he is here. He says, no, dear brothers. No, dear brothers, I am still not all I should be. But I am bringing all my energies to bear on this one thing. Forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead. I strain to reach the end of the race and receive the prize for which God is calling us up to heaven because of what Christ Jesus did for us. Now Paul says, I forget the past. I forget the failure. I don't focus on the failure. I focus on the future. I know I'm not who I'm supposed to be, but I'm not who I used to be. And if you don't like who I am, stick around because God is changing me. That's true for us. We're all growing, we're all changing, we're all developing. And if you walk with the Lord in integrity and humility, He'll keep working on your life, changing, removing your character defects, even through your failures. So don't stay stuck. Get up. Start again. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that you take ordinary people and you do extraordinary things through us. Thank you that in spite of our failures, our faults, our weaknesses, that that you use us. And Lord, there may be those here today who just feel like failures, maybe at work, maybe in their finances, with their walk with you, maybe as husbands, wives, mothers, fathers, children. God, I pray we would learn the lessons that you want us to learn. And that we would forget the failure and that we would focus on the future and never give up. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.